Hey everyone, here's another preview. I actually really enjoyed doing this episode in particular, and I'm also super excited for the next one of this series. So if you want the full thing, become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. It is the only way that we get any funding for doing this show, and we genuinely appreciate it when you support us. But... Otherwise, I hope that you enjoy this interesting preview, and uh, as always, solidarity. But like in West Germany, Italy had kind of broken the mold that we had seen in many other countries where there were conscript committees, but lots of the organizing was being done in the middle ranks too, which... Uh, If we're comparing to West Germany, maybe it's not a great comparison. Uh, Also, like West Germany, there was strong vestiges of the fascist era still present. Especially in Italy where, you know, Operation Gladio looms very large during Mm -hmm. this period. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the disciplinary code had changed very little since the fall of Mussolini's regime. There was little to no personal freedoms or democratic rights. There was low pay and serious health and safety problems. Which, yeah, not but I was told the Christian Democrats were, were good centrist Europeans. I was told the Italian military was a competent force. <laughs> yeah, that's that last one Wait, right by there. Wait, by who? <laughs> the Italians? Uh, yeah. Shit, I they did have like, an Italian accent. <laughs> how is it that you can have serious health problems, health and safety problems, and expect your military to function? I don't Ma- I don't understand that. Mamma mia, we got our asses kicked in Africa so many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing though, it's like I think part of that also is Italy is also is it's in a weird spot geographically as far as like its usefulness for NATO because their whole thing is it's like you're the bulwark against Tito <laughs> and like nobody thinks Tito's gonna invade Italy like come on <laughs> yeah watch out for Tito and Cuchesco the real <laughs> players in the game <laughs> well because it's like Oh, you mean Ceausescu? However the fuck you say that Romanian shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably saying it wrong, too, to be honest. Um, He, that guy, was fucked up, though. Dumbest Um, communist in history, maybe. That guy was not good. Um, (laughs) Tito, though, very cool. But but at no point... Like, would anyone buy any sort of expansionist threat from socialist Yugoslavia? Tito was trying to build factories and get yeah. people in his country to not kill each other for being a slightly different race. <laughs> yeah. And doing a good job of it. Yeah. I mean, until he died, that shit worked pretty good. But we're on a yeah. tangent now, I think. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> anyways, back to the Italian military, so-called. Yeah, we're not even through the first paragraph yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like in France and nearly everywhere else, the Communist Party did not provide any support for the organizing soldiers. And at the same time, they often found assistance in new left party- parties like the Radical Party or the Struggle Continues, Workers' Vanguard, and proletarian democracy which these they feel like sure maybe this you just name your you have to come up with a name but they feel kind of generic they sound good in italian like la lotta continua and stuff like that yeah for for the struggle yeah but in english they sound like a bunch of name brand peanut butters (laughs) (laughs) that's right and also, like in France, the country faced uh, attempted neo-fascist coups, like the one led by General Michelli in 1973. Which, 
You want to go down a rabbit hole? Look up that guy's career. It's fucking wild. (laughs) (laughs) I did not, uh, but now I kind of want to. It would be too long of a tangent. (laughs) Okay. In the wake of uh, this, many soldiers attempted to create stronger ties with the labor movement and participated in worker-sponsored demonstrations, which I think might be one of the first like real good tactics from people wanting to organize where Mm -hmm. they're like oh we want to be associated with labor and so we're gonna go out and support labor yes genuine good idea brain explosion (laughs) like (laughs) i mean also like i don't know about this period particularly but doesn't italy have like a long history of like because the trade unionists are so repressed in so many ways, they also like end up from that pressure doing like some of the wildest fucking actions. And you end up with like some really, really militant labor activists in Italy. Well, I mean, part of this, it, it not to, not to fall back on cliches, but Italy's always had a very, very stratified society because mm-hmm. like Italy in quote, like the, what we think of as Italy is a very young country mm-hmm. so is germany like it was only constituted in the uh, like what risorgimento i think is the the term for the act the constitution of what we think of today as italy uh, out of you know the papal states and mm-hmm. and the Ve- republic of venice and lombardy and all these separate the kingdom of naples and all these different things and so you have like this the the, the struggle to form a single italian identity took a very long time and uh, arguably continues today um but Tito there's always been strong- in two weeks <laughs> well, but there's also been like a very strong divide between the industrialized northern cities, places like Milan and Turin, uh, and, and then the much more rural and agricultural south, which was much more like semi, up until World War II, uh, really was like still very feudal in a lot of ways. And so, and there's also a lot of like discrimination between those mm-hmm. parts. But a big part of all of this, you end up having like a very strong, extremely strong working class movement in Italy, and as a result of that, and in backlash and response to it, a strong fascist movement as well. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, the, the the two extremes aggregating a lot more support to them than you would in, in, in some of the other um, Western European countries, where, where groups like the Christian Democrats and, and stuff like that were more popular. So you would argue that basically just the, the dialectical contradictions are extremely heightened in Italy because yes. of the... the socio-political and cultural makeup of the country yes very much so and that's why we get guys who are like i'm not italian i'm sigiliano yeah yes i'm napolitano understand it's different exactly (laughs) whereas you don't you don't so much hear that with like the french no, yeah, the the French aren't like <laughs> I'm fr- I'm Marciliano. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they would say. That's funny. <laughs> so, one aspect of Italian society that differed from West Germany was that on a fairly regular basis, demonstrations celebrating the fall of fascism were held, and in 1974 and 1975, soldiers took part in them. In uh, Then, in 1976, a fairly major election happened where the Communist Party pulled at a post-war high of 34%. The reason this is significant for our story is that at the time, there was a significant, there was a significant number of conscripts and low-ranking soldiers who would have voted for the Communist Party, contrary to many other times in history. Yeah, the... the uh- 
the CP in Italy was stronger than really any of the other countries in Western Europe because of the communist partisans during uh, World War II and their valiant, you know, uh, uh, assault against uh, the, really the ejection of fascism largely due to their efforts. Um, and so, like, I mean, the CIA had to rig the 1948 election uh, to keep them from, otherwise they would have won uh, mm-hmm. the, the general election. Uh, and then again, they would have won it. That, that's actually like a huge part of what Operation Gladio was about, was was keeping the CP from winning the parliamentary elections in Italy because several times, including this period you're talking about now in the mid seventies, they were very close to winning. Can you imagine if, if communist Italy had formed in the forties and we had like brigades of nanas teaching us how to make tomato sauce, like the Cuban doctors. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, it's that, that gift from the, the Simpsons where you're just like thinking of all the people like singing Kumbaya and dancing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and to get to what you were saying, I mean, the leadership, of the military recognized uh, this and made significant efforts to make it difficult for these conscripts to go out and vote. Uh, these low-ranking mm. and conscript soldiers held small rallies and circulated petitions to be given time to vote. It made little difference, but in the districts where the soldiers resided and were able to vote, voting for the new left proletarian democracy party was around 9%, where the national mm. average was 1.5%, and for the communist party, they had a rate of over 50% of the national average. And the authors didn't really draw any conclusions from this and i'm trying to kind of i mean and we've kind of alluded to a little bit and i'm but i'm still trying to have a a little bit of a hard time of discerning what this means and i wanted to get a little bit more of an opinion from like you know dan and john well this is actually a case where i actually think the cp might have been better off if they'd actually invested more Uh in, in organizing among the conscripts be- not because of these these polling results, but because of the fact that the the class struggle was more advanced in Italy than in in much of the rest of Western Europe. Like you have explicitly communist, like aligned trade unions, big ones, very powerful ones, uh, like a powerful communist party to the point that the you know the biggest intelligence agencies in the West spent decades committing like a grievous acts of terrorism in attempts to discredit the the communist party including kidnapping and killing the prime minister of Italy at one point Aldo Moro who uh was ki- who was kidnapped by the red brigades after the red brigades uh, had been infiltrated and taken over by uh, operatives of the CIA Oh I listened um, to like a 2 hour podcast about that once it was fucking gripping Yeah <laughs> Yeah so that's a that's uh some of the stuff that happened but but I say all that just to say that like the underlying conditions in Italy, I feel like were of any of the countries we've talked about so far, far more ripe for actually doing some organizing among the communists. And I, you know, I, I think the fact that we, we see these in the, the poll results shows that again, as we've kind of been talking about since the beginning of this series, it's like, it's not, we're not necessarily saying it's always pointless to organize workers. He means soldiers. But it's very context-specific. Like, it's, you're more likely to get success organizing conscripts than a volunteer army. And you're not likely to get re- good results in either if there isn't already an advanced class struggle going on in that society more broadly. Because, of course, you know, the, the makeup of the, these, these uh, armies are young people who are going to reflect the broader society around them, as anybody does. And so, like, but in Italy, you kind of 
have that. I know they're not necessarily, you know, immediately, constantly in a revolutionary crisis, but they had a bigger movement than a lot of the other countries. And so I think, you know, maybe they would have been better off if they had actually tried to do some organizing amongst the, the conscripts. I mean, that's kind of why I asked, because I was feeling like I was coming to a similar conclusion. Yeah. It's also, I think, notable as a bit of like statistical errata that in the uh, districts where the soldiers resided, they voted for the Communist Party at a rate 50% above the national average, but they voted for this new left party, po- proletarian democracy, at 9% compared to the national average of 1.5%. That's a four... No, no, no. Hold on. That's a That's six, six X increase. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like... It's it's fascinating to me that as a conscript, you're like you're motivated to try to find like a left solution to your issue, but it's easy to be scared of like, well, I don't want to go all the way to the Communist Party, so <laughs> let me vote for this 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 kind of like middle of the road centrist communist thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, and so back to the history. In the middle of 1975, there were as many as 100 soldier committees and dozens of soldier newspapers being circulated. Actions happened often, and the government was forced to respond. They put forward some reforms that kept many things the same, but did lighten some of the fascist-era repression on the low-ranking and conscript soldiers. This was not enough for the soldiers, and a National Day of Action was called. This would be the first time the military had a truly coordinated and national-scale effort. On November 22nd, again in 1975, 200 soldier delegates in Rome publicly denounced the new reforms and called for a demonstration on December 4th. On that day, an estimated 30,000 active duty soldiers and NCOs took part in mess hall boycotts, minutes of silence, petitions, barracks discussions, and public demonstrations. In Rome, there was a thousand uniformed soldiers that led a 10,000 person protest. This, I think, is the only time that we have seen the GIs and NCOs really working together, which I think is an interesting thing to bring up in this case. Definitely. And just, I think one of the many symptoms of what Dan was talking about earlier, which is the more advanced state of class struggle here. You know, when you have a highly mobilized communist party with a lot of resources and you have a lot of political imagination, uh, non-commissioned officers do start to become like a viable part of the pool of of Mm -hmm. people who are worth making sure that they're ideologically motivated to be on your side. Well, and I think that we have, I mean, I brought in a little quote here because there seems like a the shift in consciousness was was actually really important because the authors did interview some NCOs and asked why they were willing to work with so many uh, leftist and communist parties. Right. So the quote is, We were particularly interested in hearing their reaction to the labor movement and the leftist groups offering to help them. We asked, quote within a quote, weren't you scared of these leftists and all of those hammer and sickle posters? And quote within a quote, the non-coms, NCOs, responded all at once, heatedly, uh, quoting the non-commissioned officers. Yes, we had been taught for years that these Reds are our enemies, but they were willing to help us, so we were no longer afraid. End quote. Sergeant Benton traced his political thinking to his 17 and 15-year-old daughters, quoting Sergeant Benton. I have learned a lot from my girls, and that these people, the left 
are okay. I have changed a lot too. End quote. <laughs> Most Italian military guy in the world who's just like, my 15-year-old and my 17-year-old girls, they taught me everything. I'm a new man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean... While this all seems very hopeful for the soldier movement, by 1978, there were very few conscript organizations still functioning, and the NCO movement had long stagnated. To further squash real organizing, the Ministry of Defense in 1979 introduced elective representative councils to the Italian armed forces. This functioned much in the same way that Scandinavian company unions did, with no real yeah. power. Labor management committees, folks. We love mm-hmm. we love to set up an internal HR board. Mm-hmm. And also with the rise of the Communist Party, much of the militant protests energy kind of dissipated, uh, and much of Italian society went from the streets to the legislature. And over time, we would find ourselves to, to where we are today with a neo-fascist party in power in Italy, unfortunately. Yeah. Although I will say, one of the things that does make, you know, Looking at this period, especially challenging for drawing like historical lessons on organizing strategy and stuff, is that in order to take a holistic enough view to make sure you're actually evaluating the full conditions you're dealing in, you have to deal with a lot of fucked up secret history because it's like, uh, you know, the way that the CP responded to this movement, that in and of itself absolutely affected things and how the, these changed and and the way that the CP and its legislative approach in Italy had various effects. But at the same time, you also have all this stuff going on in the background that's 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 greatly influencing how events turn out, like the the, the Piazza Fontana bombing or uh, the Bologna train station bombing, uh, or uh, I, the, again the kidnapping and assassination of Aldo Moro, uh, ostensibly by the Red Brigades as as a way to you know discredit the cp and keep them out of power and so it's this is one of the things that that makes studying this period very very difficult uh is is all of this like skullduggery and 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 interference that's going on from outside forces yeah and i mean like i found that that really was part of where the book was lacking and i know that like the book is like 300 pages so if they were going to add all of that in the book would be 600 pages yeah. so i mean i can't fault them way too much but especially when i get into the next episode i actually had additional resources on top of what i got from the book and that made it so much clearer and we're going to have a much more thorough history of, of that particular struggle Tutte le genti che 
esperando. Oh, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao. E le genti che passeranno, ti diranno che bel fiore. E questo è il fiore del partigiano. Oh, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao. Questo è il fiore del partigiano morto per la libertà. Questo è il fiore del partigiano morto per la libertà. Questo è il fiore del partigiano morto per la libertà.